Section 11 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Chapter 6. The Vision of the Underworld. Part 1. So speaks he, weeping, and gives his fleet the rein, and at last glides in to Euboicumai's coast. They turn the prows seaward, the ships grounded fast on their anchor's teeth, and the curving ships line the beach. The warrior band leaps forth eagerly on the Hesperian shore. Some seek the seeds of flame, hidden in veins of flint. Some scour the woods, the thick coverts of wild beasts and find and show the streams but good aeneas seeks the fortress where apollo sits high enthroned and the lone mystery of the awful sibyl's cavern depth over whose mind and soul the prophetic delian breathes high inspiration and reveals futurity now they draw nigh the groves of trivia and the roof of gold daedalus as the story runs when in flight from Minos's realm he dared to spread his fleet wings to the sky, glided on his unwonted way towards the icy northern star, and at length lit gently on the Chalcidian fastness. Here, on the first land he retrod, he dedicated his winged oarage to thee, O Phoebus, in the vast temple he built. On the doors is Androgeus's death, thereby the children of cecrops bidden ah me to pay for yearly ransom seven souls of their sons the urn stands there and the lots are drawn right opposite the land of gnosis rises from the sea on it is the cruel love of the bull the disguised stealth of pacify and the mingled breed and double issue of the minotaur record of a shameful passion on it the famous dwelling's laborious inextricable maze but daedalus pitying the great love of the princess himself unlocked the tangled treachery of the palace guiding with the clue her lover's blind footsteps thou too hadst no slight part in the work he wrought o icarus did grief allow twice had he essayed to portray thy fate in gold twice the father's hands dropped down nay their eyes would scan all the story in order were not achates already returned from his errand and with him the priestess of phoebus and trivia deiphobe daughter of glaucus who thus accosts the king other than this are the sights the time demands now were it well to sacrifice seven unbroken bullocks of the herd as many fitly chosen sheep of two years old thus speaks she to aeneas nor do they delay to do her sacred bidding and the priestess calls the teucrians into the lofty shrine a vast cavern is scooped in the side of the euboic cliff whither lead an hundred wide passages by an hundred gates whence peal forth as manifold the responses of the sibyl they had reached the threshold when the maiden cries it is time to inquire thy fate the god 
Lo, the God. And even as she spoke thus in the gateway, suddenly countenance nor colour nor ranged tresses stayed the same. Her wild heart heaves madly in her panting bosom, and she expands to sight, and her voice is more than mortal. Now the god breathes on her in nearer deity. Lingerest thou to vow and pray, she cries, Aeneas of Troy, lingerest thou? For not till then will the vast portals of the spellbound house swing open. So spoke she and sank to silence. A cold shiver ran through the Teucrian's iron frames, and the king pours heart-deep supplication. Phoebus, who hast ever pitied the sore travail of Troy, who didst guide the Dardanian shaft from Paris's hand full on the son of Aeacus, in thy leading have I pierced all these seas that skirt mighty lands, the Massilian nations far withdrawn, and the fields the Syrtes fringe. Thus far let the fortune of Troy follow us. You too may now unforbidden spare the nation of Pergama, gods and goddesses to whomsoever Ilium and the great glory of Dardania did wrong. And thou, O prophetess most holy, foreknower of the future, grant, for no unearned realm does my destiny claim, a resting place in Latium to the Teucrians, to their wandering gods and the storm-tossed deities of Troy. Then will I ordain to Phoebus and Trivia a temple of solid marble, and festal days in Phoebus's name. Thee likewise a mighty sanctuary awaits in our realm, for here I will place thine oracles and the secrets of destiny uttered to my people, and consecrate chosen men, O gracious one. Only commit not thou thy verses to leaves, lest they fly disordered, the sport of rushing winds. Thyself utter them, I beseech thee. His lips made an end of utterance. But the prophetess, not yet tame to Phoebus's hand, rages fiercely in the cavern, so she may shake the mighty godhead from her breast. So much the more does he tire her maddened mouth and subdue her wild breast and shape her to his pressure. And now the hundred mighty portals of the house open of their own accord and bring through the air the answer of the soothsayer. O past at length with the great perils of the sea, though heavier yet by land await thee, the Dardanians shall come to the realm of Lavinium. Relieve thy heart of this care, but not so shall they have the joy of their coming. Wars, grim wars I discern, and Tiber afoam with streams of blood. A Simois shall not fail thee, a Xanthus, a Dorian camp. Another Achilles is already found for Latium, he too goddess-born. Nor shall Juno's presence ever leave the Teucrians. While thou in thy need, to what nations or what towns of Italy shalt thou not sue? Again is an alien bride the source of all that Teucrian woe, again a foreign marriage chamber. Yield not thou to distresses, but all the bolder go forth to meet them as thy fortune shall allow thee way. The path of rescue, little as thou deemest it, shall first open from a Grecian town.
in such words the sibyl of kumai chants from the shrine her perplexing terrors echoing through the cavern truth wrapped in obscurity so does apollo clash the reins and ply the goad in her maddened breast so soon as the spasm ceased and the raving lips sank to silence aeneas the hero begins no shape of toil o maiden rises strange or sudden on my sight all this ere now have i guessed and inly rehearsed in spirit one thing i pray since here is the gate named of the infernal king and the darkling marsh of acheron's overflow be it given me to go to my beloved father to see him face to face teach thou the way and open the consecrated portals him on these shoulders are rescued from encircling flames and a thousand pursuing weapons and brought him safe from amid the enemy he accompanied my way over all the seas and bore with me all the threats of ocean and sky in weakness beyond his age's strength and due nay it was he who besought and enjoined me to seek thy grace and draw nigh thy courts have pity i beseech thee on son and father o gracious one for thou art all-powerful nor in vain hath hecate given thee rule in the groves of avernus if orpheus could call up his wife's ghost in the strength of his thracian lyre and the music of the strings if pollux redeemed his brother by exchange of death and passes and repasses so often why make mention of great theseus why valsides i too am of jove's sovereign race in such words he pleaded and clasped the altars when the soothsayer thus began to speak o sprung of god's blood child of anchises of troy easy is the descent into hell all night and day the gate of dark dis stands open but to recall thy steps and issue to upper air this is the task and burden some few of god's lineage have availed such as jupiter's gracious favour or virtue's ardour hath upborne to heaven midway all is muffled in forest and the black coils of cossetus circle it round yet if thy soul is so passionate and so desirous twice to float across the stygian lake twice to see dark tartarus and thy pleasure is to plunge into the mad task learn what must first be accomplished hidden in a shady tree is a bough with leafage and pliant shoot all of gold consecrate to nether juno wrapped in the depth of woodland and shut in by dim dusky veils but to him only who first hath plucked the golden tressed fruitage from the tree is it given to enter the hidden places of the earth this hath beautiful proserpine ordained to be born to her for her proper gift the first torn away a second fills the place in gold and the spray burgeons with even such ore again so let thine eyes trace it home and thine hand pluck it duly when found for lightly and unreluctant will it follow if thine is fate's summons else will no strength of thine avail to conquer it nor hard steel to cut it away yet again 
a friend of thine lies a lifeless corpse alas thou knowest it not and defiles all the fleet with death while thou seekest our counsel and lingerest in our courts first lay him in his resting place and hide him in the tomb lead thither black cattle be this thine first expiation so at last shalt thou behold the stygian groves and the realm untrodden of the living she spoke and her lips shut to silence aeneas goes forth and leaves the cavern with fixed eyes and sad countenance his soul revolving inly the unseen issues by his side goes faithful Achates, and plants his footsteps in equal perplexity long they ran on in mutual change of talk of what lifeless comrade spoke the soothsayer of what body for burial and even as they came they see on the dry beach Mycenaeus cut off by untimely death Mycenaeus the aeolid excelled of none other in stirring men with brazen breath and kindling battle with his trumpet note he had been attendant on mighty hector in hector's train he waged battle renowned alike for bugle and spear after victorious achilles robbed him of life the valiant hero had joined dardanian aeneas's company and followed no meaner leader but now while he makes his hollow shell echo over the seas ah fool and calls the gods to rival his blast jealous triton if belief is due had caught him among the rocks and sunk him in the foaming waves so all surrounded him with loud murmur and cries good aeneas the foremost then weeping they quickly hasten on the sibyl's orders and work hard to pile trees for the altar of burial and heap it up into the sky they move into the ancient forest the deep coverts of game pitch pines fall flat ilex rings to the stroke of axes and ashen beams and oak are split in clefts with wedges they roll in huge mountain ashes from the hills aeneas likewise is first in the work and cheers on his crew and arms himself with their weapons and alone with his sad heart he ponders it all gazing on the endless forest and utters this prayer if but now that bow of gold would show itself to us on the tree in this depth of woodland since all the soothsayer's tale of thee misenus was alas too truly spoken scarcely had he said thus when twin doves haply came flying down the sky and lit on the green sod right under his eyes then the kingly hero knows them for his mother's birds and joyfully prays ah be my guides if way there be and direct your airy passage into the groves where the rich bough overshadows the fertile ground and thou o goddess mother fail not our wavering fortune so spoke he and stayed his steps marking what they signify whither they urge their way feeding and flying they advance at such distance as following eyes could keep them in view then when they came to avernus's pestilent gorge they tower swiftly and sliding down through the liquid air choose their seat and light side by side on a tree through whose boughs shone out 
the contrasting flicker of gold as in chill midwinter the woodland is wont to blossom with the strange leafage of the mistletoe sown on an alien tree and wreathing the smooth stems with burgeoning saffron so on the shadowy ilex seemed that leafy gold so the foil tinkled in the light breeze immediately aeneas seizes it and eagerly breaks off its resistance and carries it beneath the sibyl's roof and therewithal the teucrians on the beach wept misenus and bore the last rites to the thankless ashes first they build up a vast pyre of resinous billets and sawn oak whose sides they entwine with dark leaves and plant funereal cypresses in front and adorn it above with his shining armour some prepare warm water in cauldrons bubbling over the flames and wash and anoint the chill body and make their moan then their weeping done lay his limbs on the pillow and spread over it crimson raiment the accustomed pall some uplift the heavy bier a melancholy service and with averted faces in their ancestral fashion hold and thrust in the torch gifts of frankincense food and bowls of olive oil are poured and piled upon the fire after the embers sank in and the flame died away they soaked with wine the remnant of thirsty ashes and corineus gathered the bones and shut them in an urn of brass and he too thrice encircled his comrades with fresh water and cleansed them with light spray sprinkled from a bough of fruitful olive and spoke the last words of all but good aeneas heaps a mighty mounded tomb over him with his own armour and his oar and trumpet beneath a skyey mountain that now is called Messenus after him and keeps his name immortal from age to age this done he hastens to fulfil the sibyl's ordinance a deep cave yawned dreary and vast shingle strewn sheltered by the black lake and the gloom of the forests over it no flying things could wing their way unharmed such a vapour streamed from the dark gorge and rose into the overarching sky here the priestess first arrays four black-bodied bullocks and pours wine upon their forehead and plucking the topmost hairs from between the horns lays them on the sacred fire for first offering calling aloud on hecate mistress of heaven and hell others lay knives beneath and catch the warm blood in cups aeneas himself smites with the sword a black-fleeced she-lamb to the mother of the eumenides and her mighty sister and a barren heifer proserpine to thee then he uprears darkling altars to the stygian king and lays whole carcasses of bulls upon the flames pouring fat oil over the blazing entrails and lo about the first rays of sunrise the ground moaned underfoot and the woodland ridges began to stir and dogs seemed to howl through the dusk as the goddess came apart ah keep apart o ye unsanctified cries the soothsayer retire from all the grove and thou stride on and unsheathe thy steel now is need of courage o aeneas now of strong resolve so much she spoke 
and plunged madly into the cavern's opening he with unflinching steps keeps pace with his advancing guide gods who are sovereign over souls silent ghosts and chaos and phlegathon the wide dumb realm of night as i have heard so let me tell and according to your will unfold things sunken deep under earth in gloom they went darkling through the dusk beneath the solitary night through the empty dwellings and bodiless realm of dis even as one walks in the forest beneath the jealous light of a doubtful moon when jupiter shrouds the sky in shadow and black night blots out the world right in front of the doorway and in the entry of the jaws of hell grief and avenging cares have made their bed there dwell wan sicknesses and gloomy eld and fear and ill-counselling hunger and loathly want shapes terrible to see and death and travail and thereby sleep death's kinsman and the soul's guilty joys and death-dealing war full in the gateway and the furies in their iron cells and mad discord with blood-stained fillets enwreathing her serpent locks midway an elm shadowy and high spreads her boughs and secular arms where one saith idle dreams dwell clustering and cling under every leaf and monstrous creatures besides many and diverse keep covert at the gates centaurs and twice-shaped Scyllas, and the hundredfold briareus and the beast of learner hissing horribly and the chimera armed with flame gorgons and harpies and the body of the triform shade here aeneas snatches at his sword in a sudden flutter of terror and turns the naked edge on them as they come and did not his wise fellow-passenger remind him that these lives flit thin and unessential in the hollow mask of body he would rush on and vainly lash through phantoms with his steel hence a road leads to tartarus and acheron's wave here the dreary pool swirls thick in muddy eddies and disgorges into cossetus with its load of sand charon the dread ferryman guards these flowing streams ragged and awful his chin covered with untrimmed masses of hoary hair and his glassy eyes of flame his soiled raiment hangs knotted from his shoulders himself he plies the pole and trims the sails of his vessel the steel-blue galley with freight of dead stricken now in years but a god's old age is lusty and green hither all crowded and rushed streaming to the bank matrons and men and high-hearted heroes dead and done with life boys and unwedded girls and children laid young on the bier before their parents eyes multitudinous as leaves fall dropping in the forest at autumn's earliest frost or birds swarm landward from the deep gulf when the chill of the year routs them overseas and drives them to sunny lands they stood pleading for the first passage across and stretched forth passionate hands to the farther shore but the grim sailor admits now one and now another while some he pushes back far apart on the strand moved with marvel at the confused throng 
say o maiden cries aeneas what means this flocking to the river of what are the souls so fain or what difference makes these retire from the banks those go with sweeping oars over the leaden waterways to him the long-lived priestess thus briefly returned seed of anchises most sure progeny of gods thou seest the deep pools of cossetus and the stygian marsh by whose divinity the gods fear to swear falsely all this crowd thou discernest is helpless and unsepultured Charon is the ferryman they who ride on the wave found a tomb nor is it given to cross the awful banks and horse streams ere the dust hath found a resting place an hundred years they wander here flitting about the shore then at last they gain entrance and revisit the pools so sorely desired anchises's son stood still and ponderingly stayed his footsteps pitying at heart their cruel lot there he discerns mournful and unhonoured dead lucaspus and orontes captains of the lycian squadron whom as they sailed together from troy over gusty seas the south wind overwhelmed and wrapped the waters round ship and men lo there went by palinurus the steersman who of late while he watched the stars on their libyan passage had slipped from the stern and fallen amid the waves to him when he first knew the melancholy form in that depth of shade he thus opened speech what god o palinurus reft thee from us and sank thee amid the seas forth and tell for in this single answer apollo deceived me never found false before when he prophesied thee safety on ocean and arrival on the ausonian coasts see is this his promise keeping and he neither did phoebus on his oracular seat delude thee o prince anchises son nor did any god drown me in the sea for while i clung to my appointed charge and governed our course i pulled the tiller with me in my fall and the shock as i slipped wrenched it away by the rough seas i swear fear for myself never wrung me so sore as for thy ship lest the rudder lost and the pilot struck away those gathering waves might master it three wintry nights in the water the blustering south drove me over the endless sea scarcely on the fourth dawn i descried italy as i rose on the climbing wave little by little i swam shoreward already i clung safe but while encumbered with my dripping raiment i caught with crooked fingers at the jagged needles of mountain rock the barbarous people attacked me in arms and ignorantly deemed me a prize now the wave holds me and the winds toss me on the shore by heaven's pleasant light and breezes i beseech thee by thy father by iulus thy rising hope rescue me from these distresses o unconquered one either do thou for thou canst cast earth over me and again seek the haven of velia or do thou if in any wise that may be if in any wise the goddess who bore thee shows a way for not without divine will do i deem thou wilt float across these vast rivers and the stygian pool lend me a pitying hand and bear me over the waves in thy company that at least in death i may find a quiet resting place thus he ended and the soothsayer thus began 
Whence, O Palinurus, this fierce longing of thine? Shalt thou without burial behold the Stygian waters and the awful river of the Furies? Cease to hope prayers may bend the decrees of heaven. But take my words to thy memory for comfort in thy woeful case. Far and wide shall the bordering cities be driven by celestial portents to appease thy dust. They shall rear a tomb and pay the tomb a yearly offering, and for evermore shall the place keep Palinurus's name. The words soothed away his distress, and for a while drove grief away from his sorrowing heart. He is glad in the land of his name. So they complete their journey's beginning, and draw nigh the river. Just then the waterman descried them from the Stygian wave, advancing through the silent woodland, and turning their feet towards the bank, and opens on them in these words of challenge. Whoso thou art, who marchest in arms towards our river, forth and say, there as thou art, why thou comest, and stay thine advance. This is the land of shadows, of sleep and slumberous night. No living body may the Stygian hull convey. Nor truly had I joy of taking Alcides on the lake for passenger, nor Theseus and Pirithus, born of gods though they were, and unconquered in might. He laid fettering hand on the warder of Tartarus, and dragged him cowering from the throne of my lord the king. They essayed to ravish our mistress from the bridal chamber of Dis. Thereto the Amphrysian soothsayer made brief reply, No such plot is here. Be not moved, nor do our weapons offer violence. The huge gatekeeper may bark on forever in his cavern, and affright the bloodless ghosts. Proserpine may keep her honour within her uncle's gates. Aeneas of Troy, renowned in goodness as in arms, goes down to meet his father in the deep shades of Erebus. If the sight of such affection stirs thee in no wise, yet this bow, she discovers the bow hidden in her raiment, thou must know. Then his heaving breast allays its anger, and he says no more. But marvelling at the awful gift, the fated rod so long unseen, he steers in his dusky vessel and draws to shore. Next he routs out the souls that sat on the long benches and clears the thwarts, while he takes mighty Aeneas on board. The galley groaned under the weight in all her seams, and the marsh water leaked fast in. At length, prophetess and prince are landed unscathed on the ugly ooze and livid sedge. End of section 11